0: There is a French saying that translates to, with ifs, you could fit the Eiffel Tower in a ball. This is a conversation about what ifs, a reflection on missed opportunities. My name is Mehdi, and I'm your guest for this episode. Welcome to Stories of the Ones That Got Away.
1: Stories of the Ones That Got Away is a series of conversations I have with people about missed opportunities, what ifs, and what could have been. I'm your host, Tolo Agumbiade, And on today's episode, I have a really close friend sharing his story. I've known Medi for about three years now. We met at the African Leadership University where we were both faculty members and he was my secret Santa at some point. We bonded over a shared love for video games and tangential conversations and we've remained close ever since then. So when I thought of the idea for this podcast, he was one of the first people I reached out to. Mehdi is a Moroccan educator and software developer who currently lives in Kenya. He heads up curriculum at Moringa School and on Twitter he describes himself as a professional stranger who is confused about life and enjoying every moment of it. Beyond work, Mehdi is passionate about game design and improvisation and he someday dreams of becoming a hermit with Wi-Fi. Hi Medi <laughs> First of all, you have to tell hey, me. Hey. You have to tell me how to say that French saying in French.
0: Sure. Avec des si on peut mettre la tour Eiffel dans une bouteille.
1: Oh nice. I really have to up my French game. So why did you agree to be a guest today?
0: I did not have a choice in there. <laughs> um, no, on a more serious note, I I think the topic is. Is fascinating and I've been in a very reflective headspace so I quite like the opportunity to think about some of the decisions I've made recently and discuss them with an extremely good friend um, and see what that conversation can turn into and if other folks can um, benefit from that a little bit or find it somewhat entertaining then why not
1: okay now I'm really interested in hearing, so what is the one that got away?
0: Right. So this is going to be the story about how I did not become an entrepreneur in residence with Schmidt Futures, which is this really, really cool um, kind of investment fund, investment organization. I received an email from Fred Swanicker, who reached out to the, a bunch of folks within the African leadership network and it was something that initially I opened that email, read through it very quickly, closed it, moved on, Um, and I kind of went back to look at it. And while initially I was thinking that the timing doesn't make sense, I should start in the new role a couple of months ago. When I started looking at the opportunity, it looked really cool. So. Eric Schmidt was one of the initial founders of Google, and him and his wife have funded, uh, have founded Schmidt Futures a couple of years ago, which has been investing heavily in educational opportunities, healthcare stuff, R and D stuff. So they're they're trying to go into like high impact, high scaling, um, high social impact, high scale ventures, which is interesting particularly because of this role that they envisioned, which is an entrepreneur in residence role. Basically, you would have to pitch an idea and you would be incubating it over the course of two years with them for part of of your time. The other part of your time, you would be managing philanthropic funding in the field of your choice for the organization Mm -hmm. so it was i mean i still think the concept is brilliant right like you're looking for people who have a lot of passion and expertise in a specific domain that has social impact you're helping them both make decisions around how philanthropic funds are being distributed in that space growing their own network while doing good within that network, hopefully, um, while also thinking about their own idea in a space that is just rife with like good networking opportunities and good investment opportunities. So, I mean, the more I thought about it, I was like, okay, this is, this is great, right? Like this would be a great gig. Um, Let me just apply, put, put the stuff together, ask to be nominated and see what happens. Um, I'm a strong believer of let other people say no to you don't don't say no to yourself Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah that's that's how I jumped into it and it I heard back positively after a couple of weeks that the nomination kind of went through and then had to put an initial application together that also went through go to like a final round of interviews and that's the part that did not go through, I suppose. <laughs> um, but like throughout that whole period, like as you go from one hurdle to the next, one step to the next, honestly, like the hype just gets higher and higher. It's like, oh, wow, like this. Yeah, this was just something that i done kind of on a whim. Yeah, this is becoming real. And this is coming down to like fewer people. This could be, you know, I could be on the plane in a couple of months now, like starting this thing. But eventually, it did not turn out. It did not work out. And that is why we're talking about it today.
1: What about this opportunity was really exciting for you? Because you said it was such a juicy opportunity. What was the one thing about it that you were really looking forward to? What appealed to you the most?
0: Yeah. I've always skirted around the idea of entrepreneurship and being an entrepreneur. I have ideas, concepts. I have not gone very far with that, Like I have not experimented heavily on that front. And I suppose I'm somewhat risk averse with many aspects of actually jumping into an entrepreneurial venture. It's a different conversation to some extent, but the opportunity to do this in what seems like an extremely supportive environment, was very attractive. And an environment that was very much, at least, like portrayed itself very much to be aligned with some of my interests around social entrepreneurship, doing something with impact. But um, also, an environment that was far from scrappy in terms of resources. Right? Like it just felt like it would have been a pretty ideal place to try and put together a crazy idea. And something truly innovative um because that seemed very much to be the ethos there you need to play a different game to get the kind of social impact that we want so that was very i that was very juicy and that was like the big hook and then honestly like when they later shared kind of some of the some of the more quantifiable details around like how much time you could dedicate to your own projects versus like kind of the work you'd have to do for them, Um, the kind of compensation they were looking at given the kind of funds you would be able to raise through their network, like that also just became like layer upon layer upon layer of, oh wow, like this could go far, right? And I mean, ultimately it could have still bombed, right? But as far as how, good they were at portraying the environment as a very nurturing one yeah i was very sold
1: and right now when you think about this experience or this potential opportunity that got away what is the what feeling does it come with
0: i am so chill i am so okay with this
1: interesting Um, how so how come yeah so
0: i mean that's also part of the reason why I picked this story, because I think ultimately for me, and on a high note, I figure starting this podcast on a positive note might not be the worst idea. Um it's it, it helped me realize a lot of things. It was a great experience, kind of just going through the motions of it. But it also made me think a lot deeper about what I want to do. Because like the, the immediate reaction to ultimately being rejected for the opportunity over the following couple of days and couple of weeks was, all right, cool. Like, I, I understand, that's fine. We're trying again next year. We're gonna go harder on this, all right? We're gonna stay super involved with the network, stay in touch with the folks. When the mm-hmm. opportunity reopens, I am gunning for it again. That was the immediate reaction. Now in retrospect, I don't think I will. I don't think that's ultimately what I want to do. And I think fundamentally what the I'm sure the brilliant people who go through this, through this program are going to build and achieve is going to be great. But I don't think that's what I want to do. I know that now. I'm not clear in retrospect if I knew that or not when I was applying,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that's something we can explore. But at least right now, like it feels like it would have been a cool experience if it had worked out, but I do not regret not being able to go through it because I no longer see it as that strong of a fit. It's a very glamorous opportunity. It ticks a lot of boxes on a more like superficial level to some extent, but fundamentally, I don't think it takes the big boxes for me. Or at least it doesn't feel like it ticks the the key boxes for me.
1: That's interesting that you say that. And I'm, I'm also, I would love to hear what you think about as the key boxes for you. Because throughout your retelling of this story, there's a common theme that you've been reemphasizing about how this doesn't necessarily fit into your next steps. Do you have a sense for what those next steps are? Or is that something you're also figuring out?
0: It is still a work in progress to some extent. There's, there's one thing that I've convinced myself of around the idea of entrepreneurship, which is that I think, yes, sooner or later I will make that leap. I will eventually venture into the entrepreneurial world, but I have lost interest in this idea of trying to build some kind of hyperscaling experience. I want my first foray into entrepreneurship to be something that can have a local impact, can employ a couple people initially. Eventually, like, might grow to some extent, but should not get big, neither in terms of the team nor in terms of, I mean, we'll, we'll see, like, how many people influences. But I know, I, I think I'm, I don't want to think big for a couple years. So what
1: happens, what happens if it actually goes big against your will would you nip it in the bud like what would you do
0: that's a good question um it's a it's always an interesting aspect of like risk management risk management also means like things going way better than you expected and you're not being prepared for that i think that's a bridge that will cross if i get there to be honest uh i mean there are options right like you could say embrace it and just Challenge this notion that you have that you just want to create something like small, medium, focused. Um, challenge that. Embrace it. Go big if the opportunity is really out there. That's one way of doing it. I don't think I would go for nipping it in the bud because, like I said, I'm mostly interested in things that have some kind of a social slant, social impact. So if there is really a potential to bring that at scale, I don't think I want to gain the way of it it might be the kind of instance where I don't think I would be the best fit to see that through. So I might be yeah. looking for like getting some partners in. I
1: was about to say, you could just exit the, the company, right? Like you can hand right. it off to somebody else, be a silent partner or something.
0: Or I could achieve my dream that, well, okay, dream is a strong word, but it's definitely something that would be somewhere on the lower end of the bucket list and maybe try and secure a BDFL title. Now a what title? A BDFL title. So let me tell you what BDFL is. Um so I learned about this from this guy called Guido Van Rossum. Guido Van Rossum is uh was part of the team that created the Python programming language and is kind of the lead behind the Python project. And it's an open source project. There are many people around the world who contribute to this, make decisions about how the how the language evolves. And guido's official title in that community is bdfl mm-hmm. otherwise known as benevolent dictator for life so it's like i am here to stay i am part of this community i might just swoop by every now and then and veto some shit, but i have a commitment to benevolence that you guys can check me on um and Honestly, like I have zero information about like the details of the politics and whether or not there is drama in the community from the little I know things seems to be going well. But I just love that title.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that a lot of Africans would be happy about the title, but you know, it's okay. (laughs) Uh, And I think you've already alluded to some of the lessons you've learned from from the process of applying for the Schmidt opportunity but i wanted to just hear you say it here as well like what are the top two or three key lessons or takeaways that you got from from this experience
0: sure so beyond the whole retrospection and kind of deciding for myself i don't want something big i don't want that pressure right now um i think there are three big takeaways i had in mind one is and just the power of leaps of faith, right? Like I looked at that email and I closed it and I moved on. Well, for for a few moments and then I came back to it. I was like, you know what, let's let's just give this a try. And that was that was great, right? So I think there is something very powerful if you can find the right balance for yourself to pursue opportunities often when they show up. Because you never know what might work out. You never know who you're going to meet in the process. And that kind of connects to the second and probably most cliche takeaway, which is just valuing the journey over the destination. Right. In retrospect, I have very little regrets in like the research I've done for this, the work I've done for this. And I met some really cool people uh as I was going through the interviewing process. I explored some ideas that I enjoyed quite a bit. Um and it didn't work out, and that is a okay. And I guess the final takeaway is kind of a more nuanced take on networks and the power of networks. So, first, like just being grateful that I am part of a network that brought this kind of opportunity to me in the first place, which is fantastic, right? And that's something that I hope folks can kind of create for themselves, look for. But also like in thinking back, right, this idea of this not really ticking the right boxes, just thinking about how do I make this network work for me, right? So it will bring quite a few things to the fore that I can engage with, but how do I I leverage it to help me get to where I really want to go? So just thinking about ways I can be more proactive in engaging with all the folks i know trying to be open with with as much clarity as i can provide this is where i'm trying to go does anything come to mind rather than more like waiting and seeing and being receptive to what the network throws you away Um, so i would say like those are those are kind of my big takeaways
1: take leaps of faith
0: enjoy the journey and be grateful for your network, but make it make it fit where you want as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Tell it what you want and see what happens.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, and thinking about the whole experience right now, is there anything you'll do different if you could do this all over again?
0: I think my first answer will not surprise you because you know how I do things. Less procrastination in the process. I think I love the stress <laughs> that was connected with the application wasn't necessary and I could have just approached it differently. But you can probably ask me about almost anything I've done in the last 10 years and I will give you that same answer. But beyond that, I don't think so at the end of the day, right? I think I I mean this this question got me thinking a little bit about whether or not I should have done this in the first place. Mm. It did give me pause on that front. But in retrospect, no, I I'm I'm glad that I did this. It helped me figure out something about myself. It helped me meet some cool yeah. people.
1: Yeah.
0: And yeah, I think I would have run this the same way. I have yet to think of an idea that would be there for like that potential business that builds my application around. So I don't I don't mind that. I've done like my due diligence, my research. I think I was fairly professional in the process. I had fun with it. So. Bar the obvious procrastination bit, um, I'm very chill with the work I've put into it.
1: That's really good. And of course, I guess you sort of selected this particular situation for a reason. But it's, it's, it's nice and freeing and refreshing to have made a decision that is the one that got away. But you're thinking, you know, no regrets. I'll do everything the same minus the procrastination. That's a really good feeling. If it's sure. not to trade secrets, um, top secrets, what was the idea you applied with?
0: Oh, man, it was such a mess. Such a beautiful mess. Um,
1: Please give us a little bit You're not applying for any prize here.
0: At the elevator pitch. <laughs> I... So my application was already, I think, like a couple pages long, which were a very poor attempt at summarizing like a 17 page concept note that I have sitting somewhere in my drive. So I am far from elevator levels, but I will do my best. The idea was at a very high level to explore the field of um, online learning, MOOCs Mm -hmm. in particular, and build a whole infrastructure of systems that can bring strong social elements to it in terms of like collaborative study and collaborative problem solving, collaborative exercises. So a lot of the work like you and I and our other ALU colleagues have done over the last years in experiential learning, build in a set of tools and best practices to bring those methods to the massive online courses world. Because this is fueled by a frustration around what learning purely online is from my perspective. I think we have, we are in a situation where folks have really have access to high quality content for free at times or for very low prices, but that does Mm -hmm. not necessarily translate to high quality education. Um, And in my opinion, one of the key missing ingredients there is a lack of a social element. So the hope was to learn from best practices of online gaming and online retail and social media. Those are people who have been able to, for better or worse at times, but have learned a lot of techniques on how to build engagements online and how to get people interacting online with each other. What lessons can we learn from those fields and bring to the domain of education? So that's, that's the high level of motivation behind it and i had an idea for a couple tools and things we can build to facilitate that this might be something i double on like in my free time over the the next few years if anyone is interested about this idea and want to reach out and talk about it um i'm sure we can make sure that in the comments to the podcast there's a way to to get in touch with me but i don't think it's something that i want to build at least like at right now at the scale that had envisioned and pitched in this in this project
1: yeah I wonder if there's somebody else doing something similar at the moment that even if it's not the thing you're owning you can just see what they're doing and maybe support them with it as well that would be an interesting idea and especially yeah. now with all that's happening um, with coronavirus it's probably a good time to have ideas around online learning and how to make that a lot more personalized for people as well. Hmm. For Interesting. Sure. Cool. Uh, those were most of the questions I had for you. Is there anything that you would have wanted me to ask or something else you want to speak on about this thing that got away?
0: Um, I'll
1: take this as a no. As a I, token I question. You were about to say I don't think so. So I was right anyways.
0: Wow. Rude. <laughs> um, but no, I do think I do not think that was very comprehensive. So yeah, well, it's it's a very good set of questions.
1: Okay, now is your time to shine. Do you have a song, a quote, or a movie that you associate with this time in your life?
0: Yeah. I think that that particular time was was tricky. There was there was a lot going on, a lot of change. Um, I think I was discovering like some some new dynamics at work. I was dealing with quite a few things in my own life, like some changes that were not particularly welcome. And now there was this opportunity that came out of nowhere that could be life changing, but I think also deep down, like a new didn't take a lot of things and all of that so i think thinking through that time uh the song that came up was a classic kind of moroccan folk song by uh this band called Rewen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the song's title is mm. which means uh where are you leading me brother mm. and i think it it is a song about at least to me, it is a song about feeling rather less, Uh Like feeling unsure about what's going on next, unsure about what life has become. Um, so I was definitely like in a pretty confused headspace overall. Yeah.
1: Okay. Thank you so much for being part of the podcast and thank you to everyone listening. You can find additional details like the resources and songs mentioned in show notes If you have feedback, want to be a guest someday, or just want to say hello, please email sototga at gmail.com. Stories of the Ones That Got Away is created and edited by me. The dope music you hear is accessed by Ikebe Shakedown.